What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us on another exciting episode of The Pits, Stories from the Depths. Hey, what's going on? It's Johnsy here. Yeah, and Carolyn. So this is our first episode for March. We are going back to kind of the original format. So we'll be releasing the audio versions of these episodes for you guys Monday, and then the video by Friday. Friday. So just kind of gives us a little bit more time. And then that way, if for any reason, like, there you hear something you want to see, you can look on it on Friday. But yeah. um, just trying to keep everybody from different audiences, you know, got to keep them tuned in. Yeah. So, no, and we appreciate everybody for listening and sharing and absolutely. giving reviews and all that. And every I've been going out to shows and sharing the podcast and stuff too. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, just a couple more bookkeeping items before we jump right in. Okay. Um, I'm super excited for this week's episode, by the way. Okay. Um, All right. But, so yeah, Johnsy just came back from Alabama. He was doing a, a few comedy shows down there. In Anniston. In Anniston. Super yeah. proud of you. You have one tonight, since this is coming out on Monday. Yes. Um, you do need to get tickets, correct? No, McCracken's is free. Oh, look at that. Yeah, all you gotta do... It's just roll up to Johnny McCracken's. Nice. Um, that room will be full, so make sure you get there early. Get a good seat. It's going to be a party. It's it's at an Irish pub during March. Yeah. Can't get any better than that. A week before St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Can't get any better. So it's going to be a good time. Apparently, I, I this weekend in Savannah, I saw more. It's called St. Practice Day <laughs> to get everybody ready. I mean, yeah, you got a new boy. Especially there, it's a whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. It's one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day celebrations in the whole world. Yeah. Um, and then, as always, you can catch him Wednesday night at the Strand. Yep. Um, from being at Carly's birthday party, I met Chris and his girlfriend, and they will be there. Cool. Um, not Chris. God. Um, freaking Chris Berry. Not, Chris Berry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his girlfriend. Almost just blanked. Um, but I wanted to... You have a lot well, of Well, this Wednesday friends, is our anniversary. So. I know it is. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you knew that. But I yeah, I, Andy... Or like, Chris brought it up. Right. Um, and his girlfriend was like, oh, like maybe we'll see you up there Wednesday. And just depending on how sick all these freaking people are with the dang coronavirus, it kind of <laughs> depends on if I'm going out in public um, for the next couple weeks. But... Yeah, it's probably smart for you to take it easy. I know. Um, yeah, if you guys didn't know, I have lupus, so it's an autoimmune condition. And unfortunately, people with autoimmune conditions, elderly people and the children are very much affected right. by the sickness going around. So, um, yeah, I've been staying in. I have a good job that lets me work from home. So, it's been it's a nice. win-win. Yeah. Yeah, I've been out there just... I know. Taking the brunt of it. I know. And then, well, like, that's the thing. It's like, he gets bring it, it and brings it home. Like, yeah. I'm for sure in the hospital for a while. Yeah, I'm trying to take every precaution necessary. Yeah, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah, that's the hard thing, is not touching my face. I know. I've been, like, I've been, like, catching myself doing it. Well, the lady at the press conference, while saying, don't touch your face, touched her hand to her <laughs> mouth and then turned the page so yeah like especially right now i haven't shaved in a couple of days too so i'm like i got that road beard going oh god is that <laughs> what we're calling it yeah um all right well like i just didn't bring a razor to alabama 
Gotta move right along. <laughs> um, John, we also have the St. Baldrick's show coming up. We are raising money for childhood cancer. Yep. So please go ahead and donate to the cause because we were trying to reach a goal that's pretty lofty of $1,500. We started this thing with $500 and then last year we did 1000 and so this year we want to do 1500 Right. So, yeah. year, three times as much, like... Let's do it. It's a, it's a fun event, too. It's going to be March 21st at the Battery. I'm so excited. Come, come hang out with us if you can't donate. Come yeah, hang out, come hang out with us because yeah. we are doing a live podcast. Yes. So definitely come hang out with us. I think that would be super fun if you guys kind of want to see what goes into this. I don't know if we're going to be able to do video just because of the noise. Yeah. But we could try. Um, so I guess we'll just see what that everything is. Kind of. Yeah, we can maybe do it from our front. I don't know. We'll, we'll try and figure we'll out try. logistics. But yeah. yeah, but we will be there doing a podcast, hanging out with people. And we love you to know, see you. Kissing hands, shaking babies, all that. Uh, nope, nope. Not with the coronavirus. <laughs> We're not doing any of that. Well, you know what I mean. We'll, I be, uh, mean. we'll be hobnobbing around. Hobnobbing around. But yeah, the link to donate is in my Instagram bio. So go follow me at John C. Pitts, J-O-N-S-I-E-P-I-T-T-S. Yep. And that brings yep. me perfectly into the next thing. Uh, some of you guys know that we started this podcast journey with uh, FML Sports. And um, it was a great outlet to be able to talk sports with one of Johnny's buddies. And, you know, life happens. And we love FML Sports. It gave us a lot of you guys' as listeners, which is nice. Um but it gave us a lot of experience and yeah. things that I definitely would not take back. But unfortunately, in order to dive more into the things that we really enjoy, um, which for me is research, true crime, detective work, things like that. Um, and then for John Z, it's comedy. And, you know, we want to be able to pour our hearts into what makes us happy. And unfortunately, FML Sports, you know, we always say with this stuff that we're going to do it. Until it doesn't become fun anymore. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, with, you know, changing of lives and a lot of other stuff happening, um, I think we're just going to, we're going to be closing the door on that chapter. So our new Instagram for that, where you guys can follow along, is going to be at the Pitts Podcast. Nice. Um, I am trying to see, we'll see. I will have the official name for you guys um, by the time this episode releases, but I'm just trying to work out some stuff with Instagram because we did have to change our name before and we're a business page, so they're having some issues with that, but hopefully I'll have it all cleared up by the time we're recording, so on Monday, you guys, we'll have our new um, Instagram where you can follow along. We are on Facebook, The Pit Stories from the Depths. There's a group in there where you guys can chat about the episodes, so... Yeah, we really want to beef up what we love, and um, we're recording on National Women's Day, and so you know I've really enjoyed listening to people um, follow their dreams. I feel like it's the overall goal that we kind of wanted with this. Absolutely. So yeah, you and guys keep killing it. We'll try to keep killing it for you. Yeah, and I just I, like I'm. Got, I'm all over the place right now, so yeah. like I'm busy constantly, and there's just really not much room in my schedule for no. much sports watching. No. So I felt like I wasn't going to be able to give it the, the correct time. Right. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. It's a, it was a really fun project, and we have some great memories from that. We did learn yeah, I mean, a lot over 100 it. episodes. Yeah. We, you know, it's we crazy. did a lot of different things with it and experimenting and figuring things out. So Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I guess that means we need to get right into our episode. Yeah. So, all right. One last thing of bookkeeping before we dive in. So, I love the premise of our show talking about couples because we are a couple. Um, but I've just been trying to figure out what voice like we really wanted to have for the show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just to keep you all informed because you seem to love it. It will be mostly going in the direction of uh, true crime, paranormal, yeah. things like that because that's what you guys like the most. Um, and then if there's any couples that are obviously relevant for the time or like super interesting or you guys want to learn about like if you guys like tell us what you want automatically yeah. like we'll do it because yeah. i love research and i like to learn new things and if we have like a list that we've come up with for couples and so if yours isn't on there i would love to add it so yeah but that is going to be the direction that we're pretty much going into um and this one because I told people on Saturday. Okay. But um, I've been like super into like private investigating. Like looking into what it would take to get a PI license. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, um, and the reason is because freaking re-listening to Up and Vanished. Yeah. Like he was like a kid. Payne Lindsay? Yeah. Yeah. Going in there just. Being like I need, like I googled something and was like I want to find out yeah. what happened. Okay. Yeah, and now Tenderfoot TV is huge. Huge. Yeah. So, um, we're going to be talking today, um, in that mindset about a local crime that happened um, in the Lake Oconee region, and I heard this report where they kept calling it like it. I don't know if it's because we're Southern and we're just it's like Lake Oconee. Yeah. But how they were saying it was like Oconee or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was making me mad. But we're going to be talking about um, a murder. Well, actually two murders that happened in that area. Okay. Okay. Which is for us kind of close to us. Yeah. Um, it's about an hour east of Atlanta. Yeah. It's a nice area. Yeah. Putnam County. Yeah. Nice. Someone's like laying on their horn. Outside. <laughs> I can hear it. Um, okay. What's with that? It was someone's alarm that was going off outside of our house too, and I thought it was our car, so I was getting mad. I know he was napping. Yeah, it woke deep. me up. Okay, so um, Russell and Shirley Derman um, were an older couple, married for sixty-eight years, both originally from New Jersey. Um, Russell Derman served actually in the U.S. Navy in World War II. Um, but he, that's going to bug me. When he returned after duty, he decided that he was going to go to like the corporate side of things okay. and started working as an executive for a clock manufacturer. Um, Shirley was a mother to their four children, took care of the home um, and the children while he was working at that. Um, but around like the 1980s, they started looking into being able to settle down, kind of, yeah. um, in a quieter part of the world, which for them was Georgia. Yeah, um, instead of Jersey. 
Yeah, so it said they lived in a North Atlanta community. So probably a Marietta or a Kennesaw, that type of area. Right. Um, and so it was there that they were going to start their like semi-retirement life. Right. Um, which for him, I guess like being an executive was rather tedious work and being in a city, like he went to what he considered to be semi-retirement. But what it really was, um, is he started managing Hardy's restaurants. Yeah. Um, and actually, um, let's see. Yeah. It said about 20, 20 minutes from Atlanta. So it's gotta be Marietta. Yeah. Um, so he began managing Hardy's restaurants and even his children, because remember he had four, the older ones went on to start managing some of the stores. Okay. So slowly he was able to let go of that control and live the life, the actual retired life that him and his wife always wanted. Yeah. Um, in 1999, they started making plans to live in this nice neighborhood. It was a gated community by a golf course. Right. Because he loved to golf. And they're like, we worked really hard. Like, everything's good. Money's still, you know, pretty much coming in. Like, if we ever need anything, like, we've set the kids up. It's... They've got they've got passive income. Right. Yeah. Um, so, it was close to what they called a renowned golf course on Lake Oconee. Um, and then, unfortunately, while they're getting ready... To do this move, their oldest son is actually killed in Atlanta buying drugs. Damn. Yeah. Um, that can happen. Yeah. So, um, their son dies, and for them, it's kind of like, we can't stay here anymore. Like, his killer is caught um, and put in jail. Um, but after that, they're like, we can't, we don't want to live here anymore. And right. honestly, because this was 99, um... But, and which is when I lived in Marietta, oddly enough, yeah. um, it was still kind of a city. Like, it's not, I think when people from the North think of Georgia, they think everywhere except for Atlanta is going to be like countryside and right. relaxing. But, you know, 20 minutes from Atlanta is where people live so they can go to work in Atlanta, right. essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Marietta is still very much... I mean, it's not, like, completely urban, but it's definitely yeah. within, like, the greater Atlanta area, I would consider yeah. it. Our apartment where we first moved in in Atlanta, like, in the Marietta area, like, right on the border of the river, so right on the border of Fulton County, was not a good area when we moved in, and that's where they build the Brace Stadium, so. Yeah. That goes to tell you, like. It's nice over there now. Now it's super nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so. They were like, they told their remaining kids, like, we're going to make this move for us. Right. And they ended up getting a very nice home, uh, four bedrooms. It had a private dock and a large wooded area, like trees around the home. Yeah. They were at the like, back corner of a cul-de-sac. Nice. So, really nice. Super and, safe. Yeah, just backed up right to a lake. Um, the community was gated, so, you know, everything yeah. is good to go. Um. So, inside of those gates, the couple, although they were a private couple for the most part, um, they started, like, becoming a part of the community almost off the bat. Um, they joined a church. Um, they spent their days, like, going on walks in the neighborhood, so neighbors were really familiar with them. 
They enjoy doing crossword puzzles and reading. So, like, normal retired life, I yeah. guess. Um, Sounds like your average old people. Yeah. Um, so, they were in the community for 14 years. And during this time, um, yeah, they had, like, a group of friends that they regularly hung out with. You know, probably yeah. played Bunko and things like that. Bridge. Yeah, and Bridge and yeah. Hearts. <laughs> I love Hearts, by the way. My grandmother taught played. me how to play Hearts, and I'm really good at it. Um, she always wanted me to learn Bridge, but I was just like... We, there was a bridge club that used to meet at our country club in Lexington, and I was always like, this is incredible. And Miss Pat plays bridge. I bet she is a shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they really liked their friends. They really liked their home. Like Overall, um, life was awesome. They actually liked their new place so much that they told their kids their end-of-life plan and that involved being cremated and their ashes being spread on Lake Oconee. Okay. Like, they went from Yankees to just loving it, loving everything about middle Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, those plans were needed a lot sooner than the family was would have thought. Right. Because even though they were in their late 80s, they were regularly walking and like yeah. had a high quality of life they were healthy yeah no one thought that anything was going to happen to them but unfortunately it didn't i mean or obviously did. <laughs> they were prepared though yes. i mean like they knew like once we're gonna die pretty once soon. you're 88 and 87 like i'm sure my granddad has his plan down my yeah. dad's dad just because he's older yeah. and it's like you want to make sure that there's like the less, the least amount of work possible yeah. for your loved ones. Right, and honestly, like I think my thirtieth birthday, I probably will like actually write one out. I guess yeah, it's you a responsible it thing. I mean, it does happen, unfortunately. Um, okay, cheapest way possible for me, baby. That's why I want traditional Irish cremate me, stick me in a jar, take me to a bar, and drink. And you can mm. cry if you want, but I'd rather you not. Just save the money. Yeah, I just whatever. But that's another it's a another talk all about <laughs> afterlife. Um okay, so Saturday, May third, two thousand fourteen was the 140th Kentucky Derby. And I am from Lexington, so I know that is the Kentucky Derby that uh, Victor Espinoza rose California Chrome um in front of almost hundred and sixty five thousand people to one to win the hundred and fortieth Kentucky Derby. But um other than like winning you some really good trivia on that, the reason that's important to this case is because the couple were supposed to attend a yeah. Kentucky Derby party at their neighbor's house on May the 3rd, 2014, but they never showed up. Huh. And these are people, like my grandmother, that are very, very polite. They know about etiquette. If you're not going to show up for a party, you tell people. Right. Um... So the party came and went, I no word from them, and then the next day, they didn't get a call or anything from the couple being like, so sorry we missed it, or giving them a reason. And these people were close. They'd lived in the neighborhood for 14 years. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't just do this. Um, but the neighbors were just kind of like, I don't know, give them their space. Um, they tried calling them multiple times, yeah. but didn't get an answer. Huh. So they waited... For Monday to basically come and go. And then on Tuesday, they were like, we still haven't heard from them. We need to go over there. Right. Um, 
So the neighbors that held the parties are the ones that go over. Um, and they are knocking and like yelling out, but there's no response. Um, they go to the front door and like jiggle the handle and it's unlocked, which I think in a gated community, probably a lot of doors, like, I don't know. Yeah. Teach their own. But a lot of people, if you're in a nicer neighborhood, don't lock their doors. Um, so they go in and the house is like immaculately clean. Um, but nothing is really like askew. Yeah. And so they go to check for their cars because nothing's in the driveway. So maybe they're on a trip, right? But for sure you would need to check the garage. Right. So when they go in the garage, they do see the two cars, which starts concerning them. Yeah. So they walk more into the garage because again, it's a bigger home, it's a large garage. And they find something that they'll probably never be able to forget because it's a weird, this is a weird murder. So they found um, a body and they couldn't initially tell yeah. if it was Russell or Shirley or someone else because the head was gone. Okay. Yeah. What was it? So they had clothes on, I guess? Yeah. Okay. Had clothed, headless torso and legs and arms. That's. And they couldn't recognize it. We'll just put it. But also, they were like, oh, my effing God, and immediately left the house and called the police. Yeah, which is Um, exactly what you should do to not disturb the scene. Right. Yeah. If this ever happens. Once you recognize that there's a body without a head. Get out. Don't touch anything. Try not to disturb anything if you can. And that's, like, the best thing you can do to try to preserve the crime scene. Right. That's only... after someone's murder, that's all you can do is right. preserve the crime scene and try to investigate it and catch whoever did it. So. Yeah. And the neighbors did tell police, like, there's a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, but so when investigators get there, again, they notice the same thing. Like, the house is spotless. Like, one investigator was like, I would eat off of this floor. Yeah. It's so clean. Um, no one mentioned anything, like, smell-wise. Like, it had just been cleaned or anything, but it looked really clean. Right. Um, also, around the body, on top of there, the blood starting to dry, there were towels around the body so that the blood would not leak out of the garage door. Because think about it. Yeah. Like, you get your head chopped off, you know how much blood's in your body. It's, yeah, it's probably going to roll gonna out happen. the bottom of the door. And they had a hill. Yeah. So... I mean, smart for yeah. that guy, I guess, but um, pretty messed up because that's definitely an attempt to try to delay the discovery of a body. Right. Um, so the... Well, they couldn't tell if it was male or female off the bat? It, it was really bad. Um, um, well, also, how long do you think they probably stayed to look? Yeah. Like, there's no way I would be able to handle seeing our lovely neighbors, one of them without a head. Yeah, I'd be pretty freaked out. I mean, anybody without a head, anybody at all, any yeah. headless corpse, I'm like, ah, I think I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, so they also told police when they got there that they had noticed, because they're like, essentially like, did you touch anything? And they're like, well, we kind of looked at the newspapers that were on the driveway, and that's why we were really freaked out, because they went up the hill driveway, 
They noticed the paper because the paper guy can't get it up. And they saw that there was a Monday paper and a Tuesday paper. Yeah. So they were like, this is just weird. It's just not like them. But for us to not have heard anything, like, it's just weird. They're big into the newspaper with the crosswords and all that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, let's see, let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. A police came in, obviously, to identify the body. Right. Um, and found out that it was the body of 88-year-old Russell Dermott. Um, but they could not find his head, and they cannot find his wife. She's not there. And, like, everything is super clean. So, they're like, we don't know what has happened, where it's happened, why it's happened, who's done it. Like, all the W's. Yeah. No answer so far. Um, so it, In the process of cutting off somebody's head, there's going to be blood that goes everywhere. Exactly. So, they're looking for um, gunshot splatter, like, um you know, chainsaw type splatter if you were going to cut it like that, like yeah. anything. But they did say the cut on his neck was pretty telling. Like, it was clean, not surgically clean, but like someone had taken their time. Yeah. So it was, it was like a probably saw or something like that designed for it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so they couldn't also in the house find any traces of like them. Yeah. Like, it was just clean. Like, everything was clean. They started looking for things to tell them, like, timeline. Like, when exactly were these last people, or these people last alive. Yeah. Um, or where could Shirley possibly be. Right. Obviously, you have to take into consideration, for a slight second, she could have murdered him. Okay? But they're like, she's 87 years old, and what has been done to this man, like, no wife would probably do that. So, I mean, they pretty initially were like, we think she's missing. Yeah. Like, we don't think she's run away or anything like and that. And also, she's an 80-year-old lady. Like, she, it takes a lot to, one, overpower yeah. a man when you're a woman that's already frail. Right. And two, just, like, the moving of any dead body, is. it, it takes a lot of strength. Like, right. it had to have been somebody who was pretty spry and ready to go yeah not an 87 year old yeah um so in the way of clues police didn't really find anything um the home was not entered forcibly um nothing seemed to be missing so theft didn't seem to be a motive um the house seemed perfect uh completely untouched um they said even though like the couple was relatively private. Most everybody knew they weren't, like, rolling in dough. They didn't keep anything valuable in their home. Like, there wasn't really any reason for somebody to just randomly, like, come after these people. Um, at least in, like, their inner circle. Because their inner circle would have known there's no reason. Like, we've been over to these people's houses. Like, we know what's in it. Right. Kind of thing. Um, so, they tra- are trying to figure out what happened to Russell, but at the same time, and where his head is, but at the same time, they're like, where's Shirley? Because, you know, you have a gruesome murder, but then you also have somebody who's 87 and missing. You can't find them. So a lot of people were worried. Um, Shirley's phone and purse were still inside. So whoever like took her, she didn't go willingly. I think 
that can be assumed any woman if you know you're going somewhere you're going to bring your purse and your phone right um so teams start canvassing the area with dogs you start going out on the lake which is important to remember um and start searching the lake but they come up with nothing um they're looking for shirley and also russell's head um neighbors and friends with like the help of the police start placing billboards up being like have you seen this person like foul play suspected things like that just getting the word out there yeah because it was their assumption at that point she had been kidnapped so really scary i mean you have to assume that until you find a body so which unfortunately on uh friday may 16th 2014 Ten days after Russell's body was discovered, fishermen found a body floating face down on Lake Oconee. Uh, the body was later identified as Shirley Derman, and based on her appearance, police estimated that she had been there for a while, um, probably since the murder happened. Yeah. So, um, her body was actually found five miles away from the home, and what is considered to be the deepest point of the lake, which is 50 miles. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, that is really... 50 miles deep? I think. It was either 50 miles or 50 feet. Something like that. It was deep. It was whatever the deepest part of Lake Oconee is. Yeah. Um, All I have is that her body was five miles from the home. um, And then 50 in parentheses. Yeah, probably 50 feet. Probably 50 feet, yeah. 50 miles would be a lot. That's what we get for recording. I like (laughs) that clock. Okay, so... Like I said, the police did search the lake initially, right? Yeah. So why didn't they find her body? And maybe she, they had her tied down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, like, Oconee's better than Altoona and, and Lanier, but the visibility is still not, not that great. So, like, as a, even if you're doing, like, a rescue diving, you're professional at that, like, you still would have to comb every yeah. inch, and it's it's a lot of... A lot of room. Yeah, and it's pretty murky water. Yeah. Um, also, they were doing boat searches. They were not scuba searching because Lake right. Oconee is huge. Yeah. Um, and you're just not, you're not going to be able to scuba search if you don't have a general idea where to look. Yeah, you got to have a certain spot. Yeah. So, um, they found her body um, had been weighed down with concrete blocks. Um, whomever had killed her took her body, and this is important too, took her body to the deepest point and then would have tied the rope with the concrete blocks on and then like submerged her, um, which means you have to have a boat, right? Yeah. The Germans did not have a boat, so just keep that in mind. Um, Shirley, thankfully, like her husband, was not decapitated. She also wasn't sexually assaulted, which... Made me feel a little better, but that also goes into the question of why would somebody do this? It's not sexually motivated. It's not for money. Yeah, they didn't take anything from the house. Yeah, so lots of questions. Lots of cues. Lots of W's, lots of cues. Gotcha. Um, also, unfortunately, because of the time that her body did been submerged, she was bloated to almost double her size. Which made it initially pretty difficult to see what her cause of death was. Yeah. Um, they got her into autopsy and they said that her cause of death was blunt force trauma from being struck multiple times in the head by a clawed hammer. Dang. That's it's brutal. so bad. It's so bad. That's brutal, man. Yeah. That's brutal. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, whoever did it, though, like, the, throwing them in the water gets rid of most forensic evidence. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, you run that risk. They thought close by they would find Russell's head, but they didn't. The head was still missing. Um, so Putnam County Sheriff was the one who took over the case. But um, local police departments also came from Loco Coney and surrounding areas. Um, so the they GBI? were looking. Did GBI get involved? Uh, initially, or eventually, the FBI did get involved. Okay. Um, but so they were looking for searches, like clues for the killer, who the killer was, a murder weapon or weapons, and then Russell's head. Like, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of questions unanswered. A lot of things that they need to still find. Yeah, so that's why the FBI ended up getting involved because it's just like dead end after dead end. Yeah. Um. So once in like the FBI was involved, they were able to look at the couple's financial history, um, as well as personal history, um, phone records, things like that for like years back. Yeah. Um. They hoped that this would lead to a suspect, but unfortunately, everything that this couple did was very standard for retirement age, like very boring. They didn't know anybody that had a criminal record, anything like that. Very low risk people. Right. Yeah. Lots, again, lots of questions into why an older couple was just brutally murdered like this and you have no head still. Yeah. Um, which goes into another issue is... Um, his body did not have, I mean, obviously other than the head, didn't have any other cause of death, but it was obvious that the, um, decapitation itself was done post-mortem after he was dead. Yeah. So, and we'll get into theories on why that happened too. I mean, probably hammered the shit out of his head too. Um, so even the FBI and everybody else was coming through years and years of data, nothing comes up. Um, so they start deciding that they're going to build the timeline for when the couple was last seen alive and kind of work backwards from that. Um, so the last date that the couple was seen alive was Friday, May the 2nd. So the Friday before the Kentucky Derby. Um, and Russell was spotted by a neighbor taking a walk, which he did all the time. Again, very active. Um, Shirley also had done the crossword for that day. Um, and also, the mail in the mailbox was from Saturday. So, they kind of are able, based on that, um, to put their best guess at early Saturday morning is when the couple was killed. But, I mean, it could have been Friday evening. Like, the last time that they're seen was Friday like morning-ish, afternoon, taking a walk. That's so sad. Um, so... They think that the killer did strike, like, strike the same day as the party, which explains why they weren't there. Um, and based on what Shirley was found, it was like every day, kind of like running errands type clothes, but Russell was still in his pajamas, which would probably be an early morning type yeah. thing. Um, so another huge issue with this is that the neighborhood's gated, right? Right. Which means gated communities have evidence of who comes in and who goes out. Yeah. Well, per use, cameras were not operational the day. Of course. Is, yeah. Of course. So they were um, 
malfunctioning because they, they had shorted out in a storm a few weeks earlier. It's always like that, dude. It's always... Like, recorded over or... Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, you don't ever think... And think again, like, the murder would have happened, like, four days before he was found. So, there's not a high chance that they keep a week's worth of footage anyways. But, police don't really think that's an issue because they don't think the murderer came by a car. Yeah. Because, again, pulled up to the back dock they would the have boat. needed a boat to move her body where they did. Um, that would have been the easiest way to do it. Pull up to that dock, go up. Right. And for you guys who don't know, Lake Oconee is not private by any means. Anyone can go. And again, it's huge. So it's 400 miles. I did get that one. Okay. Right. 400 miles of public lake. So anybody, literally anybody could have. If that is how it happened, then it could have been anybody. Yeah. Um. So police found... Um, reason that it would have like also had to be from the lake um because the like whatever Oconee County or the Putnam Sheriff something came out that essentially there was a source that said they saw somebody on the dock um but they never like it was never named right um and Something I was listening to another podcast that did this is that something that really ticked them off to it probably being someone they knew um, was the fact that they kept saying him in the article and not unnamed suspect, which is very true if the people involved who saw the person doesn't know them. Right. Like, it's always unknown or unnamed, but it's always in every news article written, it's always him. Yeah. And, like, every quote is him. Like, saw him. Yeah. They saw a man. But they don't say that. They say him. Yeah. Like, they know who, what his name is. Or they would know who to ask, essentially. Gotcha. Um, so, again, the Dermans were not boat owners at the time. So, for her to get her body, like, it doesn't really make sense for someone to have drove in and then maybe met somebody who had a boat. Yeah. I don't know. Um... So, Shirley's cause of death was obviously a blow, blows with a clawed hammer. Right. Um, and so, they start again looking for any traces of blood splatter. And they know that it's not in the house. So, like, we have to start looking all around. Like, the dock, like, everything. And see where they were killed. Yeah. But. And I'd probably still luminol test the house, even if it was clean. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they did all that. I'm sure they There's did. nothing. There's yeah. no evidence. They couldn't find anything in the house. Um, couldn't find anything on the dock. Like, they couldn't find where these people were murdered. Um, so, back to his cause of death. Um, the head was cut post-mortem, um, but there were no marks on his body. Um, and so... The investigators actually think whatever damage was done to him was done to his head. So they start testing his clothing and his shirt actually had gunpowder residue. So a theory is that these people shot him in the head. It got lodged in his head. They knew that bullet was traceable. So they cut off the head and take it with them. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It's logical. Um, that's pretty much the best theory that I found, other yeah. than these people being messed up. But if you have a through and through gunshot, you would find a gun or like 
evidence of it in the house yeah. and hitting a wall ricocheting off something. You'd find it somewhere. You'd find it somewhere. Um, and they didn't find any any other gunpowder residue in the house, like nothing like that. So um, that's probably the best bet. Um, and that goes into the one of the theories about who actually killed these people. Um, so again, the Putnam County Sheriff comes out and says that we have forensic evidence as to who the killer is. Okay. Um, but to this day, nothing has been shown. No arrest. Or even gotten tested. This is still an open case. Um, and his head still has not been found. If you want something to keep you up at night. So um, they probably burned it or got rid of it somehow. So this goes into a larger issue with like a lot of the cases that I've been finding is all these tests. Like, so say they really do have forensic evidence. The GBI lab apparently is so backed up and that's a lot of issues with these cases that are happening in Georgia, which makes me want to freaking investigate. Um, But yeah, nothing's really come of that. Like he said it. And he's one of those, like, cigar-smoking sheriffs. Like, I got everything under control. But There's a lot of those down here. Yeah, but this was, I mean, at this point, like, five years ago. Yeah. And... It's a cold case by now. It's, yeah, there's no real suspects because there's so many theories about who would have wanted to kill these people. Um, so, let's go back to the him thing. Um, in public, the sheriff said one year after the murder that there was a man on the dock, but would not name names. No sketch has been made, which is odd. Yeah. If someone really did see something, but I guess it could have been, if they were killed at night slash early morning, it would have been dark. But again, every quote it refers to is him. Right. Not, you know, it or, you know, whatever or unnamed suspect, or unknown suspect, but it's him, so. Yeah, the only thing I think of is, if it isn't somebody that they know who it is, is they just saw as a man, so they call him him, because they just assumed it was a man. Right, but the sheriff calling him him is, I think, a little different. Yeah, well. Because they have to be very PC about allegedly, and things like that. Like, you have to watch. Misspoke, probably. It's every quote he says. Yeah. I don't know. Um, So questions also came up about whether or not this murder could have had a correlation to their oldest son, Mark's murder, 14 years ago. That's what I was thinking. In Atlanta. But his killer was found and put away. So that really doesn't make sense. His his homeboy or something, you know, or like whatever. Or did he get out? Yeah. Uh, no, he's still in. He's still he's, in there. Yeah, okay. life in prison. Yeah, but I mean, it could have been a hired. It hit. could have been, but his parents didn't have any. Like, didn't even know about him doing drugs. Yeah, but some people they get their minds all jacked up, and they think that somebody else is responsible for their actions. Yeah. So they're blaming. It's very them. unlikely that those kind of people would have been able to find out where they lived. Yeah. Um. Also, family and friends were initially quickly eliminated. But for me, the more that, like, looking at this, it has to be someone that knows them. Again, it was not sexually motivated. It wasn't motivated by wealth. So, like, family, I get. Because, like, if you already know you're not really getting an inheritance because there's three kids, like, you're probably not going to go murder your parents. 
Also, if somebody, if you want an inheritance, you're not going to do the whole, my mom's missing, you would have just killed them both because yeah. they would both need to be dead. Right. Um, and like the gruesomeness of it kind of eliminates family. Um, cause they, like there was no other, the house was worth about a million dollars, but there's nothing really to go after. It seems pretty, uh, calculated to me. And when it's a family member or a loved one, it tends to be a messy, like a crime of passion type thing. It's not usually like a clinical in and out. I need to think, oh, bullets lodge, cut his head off. Oh, bring her out on the lake, sink her. Well, they, most People, most investigators do say, though, although the crime scene itself was spotless, that the decision was very spur of the moment, just like based on how it happened. Yeah. So that also brings in this theory of maybe a hitman because it seems professional. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm thinking. But again, investigators were like, no, it's like from what we've seen, like similar, this was like a spur of the moment. So, kind of an, a gateway off that is this theory of somebody trying to extort them, okay? So, think about it. You think these people in a million-dollar house have money. Yeah. You come up on your boat, maybe after drinking or, like, doing drugs. You probably see that the door is unlocked because, again, the house is not forcibly entered. You have a gun. So, you tell the woman, I'm going to shoot your husband in the head Unless you give me what I want. Right. And then she says no, or something goes wrong. And he ends up getting shot in the head. She freaks out. They start hitting her. Whatever. Yeah. That, to me, would seem the best. But based on how clean the house was, I feel like the person had been in the house before. To know the layout. To know these people don't lock their doors. So, like, maybe not a family member... But maybe somebody in the area, yeah. like, maybe something got said, like, they thought they had money, more money than they did. Or, like, what's crazy is, like, it could be somebody literally with no motive just wanted money or thought yeah. they could get money and it just went terribly wrong. Maybe one of the, uh, their son's friends or something. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. I'd start looking there because, like, somebody who is in, maybe in that world of drugs who needs money. Right. You know, they know, they know the layout of the house. They know like, oh, well, I mean, they probably had an insurance policy on their kid. Right. Well, um, I don't know. How old was he? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It was just their oldest. Right. That's all it said. Um, so yeah, this is still an unsolved crime and currently they do have no leads, even though the sheriff is saying that they need to get this piece of evidence tested. Um, the head yeah, is five still, years, bro. Yeah. Come on now. The head is still missing. Um, the BUI indicated that the person who did this is likely male and someone who liked guns and knives, unfortunately, in central Georgia, that is a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but most investigators now do believe it was someone close to them. So, um, yeah, this is just one of those things that goes into cold cases that, I mean, absolutely infuriates me. Yeah. Like, these were good people and live in like the wonder years of their lives like brutally murdered and what's so hard for me with these is you know like with the gabriel fernandez documentary just thinking about the life like last moments of someone's life is really hard yeah like 
just thinking about what they went through, being married 68 years, and then seeing that happen to your, like, something happened terrible to them, and they witnessed it, and, like, that's just a tough thing, and it makes me want to go out and catch bad guys. Yeah, man, I really hope that they they get on their, get off their bus to do something. I mean. I know, but that's the thing. That was what Payne Lindsay did. He Googled this unsolved case, and it was in Osceola, which was close to his grandmother, and he had yeah. an interest with it, and he just went and ran with it. And I'm like, I by no means have, like, the resources to do anything, but I'm hoping, like, to bring awareness to things like this, you know, maybe we can do something to get feet moving. But yeah. I mean, I think with this kind of stuff, you just have to, if you keep... the the names of the victims in right. the media and you keep attention on the case, it puts pressure on law enforcement. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm not trying to just dog law enforcement because, you know, they're, they're trying to do their job too. Um, but sometimes, like, you know, high-profile cases do get more more priority. Right. And that's just how the world works. Right. I mean, they have to do PR too. That is true. So I would just, yeah, like... You know, listen to this episode, and I would just keep, you know, these this family and th- be thinking about them, and just make sure that they stay relevant, and people would just keep continue to talk about them, and that the justice is still being you know sought after for them. Yeah, yeah. Or hopefully. Hopefully. But yeah, hopefully you guys uh, are good with the format that we're gonna keep going with, yeah. and hopefully we'll see you tonight. Um, I will not be there because I do not want to die from <laughs> coronavirus, but, um, yeah, you guys go out and support John Z. Please help us reach our fundraising goal for St. Baldrick's. Yep. Um, you can get the link in John Z's bio. Um, and yeah, if you guys have any topics that you want to do, any cold cases that you guys know about that you want to bring attention to, any cool true crime, hauntings, uh, All that. Badass real life couples. We're all here for it. Um, But yeah, we'll see you guys on Friday on YouTube if you guys want to check us out. Otherwise, you can catch us here uh, next Monday for another great episode. Like, subscribe, give us a good rating. All that good stuff. Leave a review. Tell your friends, coworkers. All that. All that. All right, y'all. Be easy. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye.